From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Global unemployment is at record highs as the world struggles to contain the fallout from coronavirus. But has the pandemic exposed something more fundamentally broken about our economic system? Today, as part of the Saturday Paper series Imagining Life After COVID-19, Osman Faruqi speaks to economist and former Greek finance minister Yanis Varoufakis. Giannis, economic inequality has become even more pronounced throughout this year. The, the wealth of the world's billionaires is up by a third. How exactly does this happen? This is a process that began in 2008. Without waiting to see how low the Dow will go. They're focused on the Dow, not so focused on OPEC. 2008 was a momentous moment in the history of capitalism. Apple's under pressure, uh, Yahoo down 8.5%, Cisco 6.5%. Equivalent in uh, significance to what happened in 1929, another Wall Street collapse which changed the world. 9% today, the Zetrobank's over in Frankfurt, is down by 9%, the Paris market down by 9%, Austria, which was briefly suspended earlier. Uh, you had this uh, remarkable combination of... Um, uh, huge quantities of money being printed by central banks, given to bankers, uh, to refloat them, to refloat big business. So I propose that the federal government reduce the risk posed by these troubled assets and supply urgently needed money so banks and other financial institutions can avoid collapse and resume lending. And at the same time, universal almost austerity for the majority of people in a crashing majority of countries. A day after announcing fresh austerity measures, the Italian government's been forced to defend the move against widespread criticism. And measures to cut spending and raise taxes have led to public outrage with yet another national strike. Tens of thousands marched in protest at the weekend over harsh austerity measures in response to the country's financial meltdown. The collapse... While uh, global capitalism, the real economy collapsed, central banks have been printing mountain ranges, rivers of cash. And that money is given to commercial banks in the hope that they will lend it to big business so that big business can invest to good quality jobs. They look at uh, the sea of people out there who are in pecunious. And they think, oh, my God, you know, why are we going to produce goods that they cannot buy? So instead, what they do is they take the money from the central bank and they go to the stock exchange and they buy them back their own shares or other shares. Yeah, and you wrote in the Saturday paper about this process where companies didn't actually use this stimulus to create jobs. They bought back their shares instead. You gave an example of one particular company, and it's one most people are familiar with. That company is Apple. Can you tell me about their role in this? Apple is um, a remarkable company. They have invented the iPhone, the iPod before that, iTunes. So they have put a lot of work and innovation into their success. But once they have created a monopoly over the iPhone, and in the context of the post-2008 world in which aggregate demand is generally low, they do what all monopolists do in order to maximize their profits they constrain their production. So they could have produced a lot more iPhones than they are doing, but they're reducing supply 
in order to keep price at the level that maximizes their profit. By reducing supply relative to what they could do, they have a lot of savings in the bank. They've got more than 200 billion in the bank. So when the Federal Reserve, the Central Bank of the United States, prints more billions in order to help push you know, all the boats that are sinking up back to the surface or to lift them up, the Federal Reserve lends this to the Bank of America or Citibank or to Goldman Sachs. And Goldman Sachs or Bank of America, you know, they look around and they see, well, who is their best customer? Of course, Apple is one. So they pick up the phone, they call the executives of Apple and say, look, I have a free billion here for you or 10 billion free, almost zero interest rate because, you know, this, this, this is very cheap money handed over to the commercial banks by the Federal Reserve. Do you want it? Apple say, yeah, well, we'll take it. They don't intend to invest it because they already have a stash of cash. But if it's free money, why not take it? The tiny amount of interest they pay is tax deductible. And the rest, what they do is they go to the stock exchange in New York and buy back shares of Apple. Apple owns four of the top five biggest quarterly buybacks of all time. Just this past quarter, they spent nearly $23 billion buying back their own shares. That's the number one spot. That increases demand for the shares of Apple. It increases the price of the shares of Apple further. And remember, the directors of Apple have bonuses that are linked to the share price. So they make a mint out of this. Apple shares closed higher today by more than 1%. And if you come into Apple's market cap, in part because of that move, now outweighs the entire energy sector within the S&P 500. So, you know, their share portfolio goes up and up without them doing anything. It's not a result of uh, economizing, of innovating, of doing anything clever. The ultra-rich effectively grow much, much richer in their sleep, so to speak. Okay, so what you're saying is that for the past decade, we've seen this kind of transfer of money from central banks to huge corporations, which, as you say, has accelerated wealth inequality. Where has that left us? The large corporations with all the power are dependent entirely on the state to keep them in business. So we have a kind of state feudalism, not even capitalism. And that was a situation we called COVID-19. And many commentators uh, have um, described uh, the pandemic as the new crisis. I disagree, respectfully. It's not a new crisis. It's an escalation of the pre-existing crisis. So COVID-19 hits. What was the response of our governments and central banks? Well, more of the same. The Fed has acted, and they have acted uh, in a way that is quite dramatic, lowering interest rates almost down to zero. It was just yesterday. They you know, use exactly the same techniques that they've been using since 2008, this quantitative easing, money printing. They increased that um, process magnificently. Not only did the RBA cut the official interest rate without waiting for the usual monthly board meeting, it'll also buy government bonds. Which has and more worryingly, what it does is it enhances inequality because those at the top, the directors of Apple, you know, see their wealth multiplying when the little people out there are going from bad to worse. And that poisons democracies, poisons the climate, creates Donald Trumps and the Bolsonaros of the world. And the same problems that we had before that led to stagnation for the many and opulence for the very, very, very few for the oligarchy now has been turbocharged. We'll be back in a moment.
This year, the Saturday paper celebrates 10 years as Australia's leading independent newspaper. In that time, it's built a peerless reputation for quality journalism, for telling stories that are ignored elsewhere. It's the essential account of the week in politics, culture and news. When you read the Saturday paper, you don't need to read anything else. Subscribe today from just $2.10 per week. Visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash subscribe. The Saturday Paper. The whole story. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Giannis, everything you've said so far suggests that our economy is functioning in a way that doesn't really seem sustainable. In your piece for the Saturday paper, you describe our current situation as post-capitalist. Can you tell me what you actually mean by that and how it's different to what we generally understand as capitalism? I'll give you two examples. Firstly, very recently, we have noticed the complete disconnect between, on the one hand, money markets, share markets that are doing very, very well, and um, capitalism, business, um, profits uh, at the coal phase. Uh, we have a complete collapse of profitability. So you have companies that um, have no profit and their share prices are going through the roof. That is not capitalism. Capitalism is all about companies that innovate, exploit labor, accumulate profits, turn those profits into investments. Those investments produce more gadgets, more stuff. That stuff leads to more profits and so on and so forth. This is not what we have. We are well beyond that. Uh, The second example I'm going to give you is uh, the structure of ownership. So how the baker, the brewer, and the butcher compete with one another uh, in the marketplace. None of them are powerful. Uh, The only thing that keeps them in business is the good quality of the bread, of the meat, of, 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 the, of the beer that they produce for us. And the dynamism of the competitive capitalism uh, relies on uh, fierce competition and uh, there is no concentration of, of market power. But if you look today at the New York Stock Exchange, you will find that 90, 90, 90% of companies listed in the stock exchange belong to three companies, BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street. Now, that's feudalism. That's oligarchy uh, with the state printing money for them and effectively zero competition. So these three companies, which I'd never heard of before, own 90% of the stock exchange. That's just extraordinary. And, and so you're saying the consequences of this new economic order is that growing inequality. So is this system now entrenched or... If not, how would you push back? With great difficulty is the honest answer. Um, Well, look, the only thing that can uh, um, make a difference is political organization. The solution must be political. The market doesn't work because it has been cornered. What works is democratic politics. Exactly that which has been depleted over the last few decades uh, democratic politics is the only remedy. I think we need a vision um, 
Firstly, a common program, a common international Green New Deal. We need, you know, we, let, let, let me put it bluntly. We need $10 trillion, US dollars, uh, worldwide to be spent every year on good quality green transition jobs, green energy, um, and other ways of uh, affecting the, the, the green transition. Uh, uh, and this is not going to happen simply by taxing the rich. We need to tax the rich for purposes of social justice, but we need to uh, utilize public financial instruments uh, in order to do so. There are clear ways of doing that, but that is just a stepping stone. We have to, uh, to, to imagine a world beyond capitalism. This capitalism has already evolved out of um, the competitive phase. Now it has become a dystopic techno-feudalism, I call it. And we need a vision. We need to answer the question, mate, if you don't like capitalism, what's the alternative? Giannis, as well as being an economist who's studying the extraordinary shifts we're living through, you were also the finance minister in Greece during that country's severe economic crisis five years ago. What did you learn from that experience that informs the way you look at our current situation? The financiers are so internationalist and so united. And our side, the progressives, are always prone to divisions, which are the reason why we get defeated. So the reason why we get defeated and why humanity is has lost its way uh, is to be found not in the immense strength of the enemy, let me put it that way, <laughs> but in our tendency to divide and multiply, to undermine one another, to turn against each other. Giannis, thank you so much for talking to me. Well, thank you. This year, the Saturday paper celebrates 10 years as Australia's leading independent newspaper. In that time, it's built a peerless reputation for quality journalism, for telling stories that are ignored elsewhere. Subscribe now at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash subscribe. Also in the news today... Queensland's Chief Health Officer Jeanette Young has suggested that the state could open to Victorians before those living in Sydney. The comments have sparked a furious response from New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian. Berejiklian said she would be mortified if Victorians were let into Queensland before Sydney siders. And in the US, President-elect Joe Biden has said that Donald Trump's refusal to accept defeat was an embarrassment. Trump has so far refused to concede and his campaign is continuing to pursue a number of legal challenges to the result. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.